Chapter 2. The Stolen Lens Alfie gazed at the threadbare arm of the sofa he had slumped onto, each loose thread jarringly clear. They had gathered in the Abernathy room, in which Alfie's dad had recreated the living room of their flat in Abernathy Terrace. Their old furniture felt comfortingly familiar now. It hurt each time Alfie took a breath, but the shock of Ashford being torn from them was more painful than his bruised chest and wrist. Amy was sitting next to him, and his dad was holding an ice pack to her eye, which had already started to swell. Are you okay, Dad? Alfie asked, breaking the numb silence they had fallen into since the portal closed. I'll live. His dad left the ice pack with Amy and limped painfully over to his armchair. But what have I told you about leaving things on the stairs? Alfie couldn't even muster a smile at his dad's weak attempt to lighten the mood. Are you going to call the police? asked Amy. Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out. What would we tell them? Alfie knew his dad was right. Caspian Bone, their strange solicitor, had worked some kind of magic over the whole village. No one remembered that a dragon had nearly destroyed the town before Christmas. Inspector Wainwright would think they were nuts if they told him that Ashford had been dragged through a magic portal in the oak tree. The old brass telephone in the hall began to ring. Alfie jumped to his feet, glad of an excuse to get out of the room, which seemed to be closing in around him. Crossing the silver shafts of moonlight cast down into the entrance hall through the landing windows, he picked up the receiver. A sweet voice spoke with a serious tone. Alfie, it's Emily Fortune, senior administrator at Money and Bone. Our ravens have told us what has happened. Don't try to follow Ashford. Close the doors and keep out of the courtyard until the phone rings three times. Caspian Bone is sending a carriage for you. Emily's voice made Alfie feel calmer. Caspian might be odd, but Alfie was sure he would know just what to do in a situation like this. Thanking Emily, Alfie put the receiver and noticed his cat, Galileo, prowling the area where Ashford had been attacked. He was sniffling the ground, hackles raised as he emanated a low growl. It's okay, boy. Alfie reached down to stroke him, but Galileo slipped out from under his fingers, crouching low to the ground as he darted outside, following a scent to the courtyard. Leo, get back here! Galileo was sniffling around the tree. Alfie called again, but the cat paid no attention to him. After pretending to close the large castle door several times, Alfie gave up and closed it completely. He guessed Galileo would be able to look after himself. Caspian is sending a carriage, said Alfie, as he rejoined his dad and Amy. We've got to stay inside until the phone rings. In case they come back, asked Amy. Do you think they will? I don't know. They wanted something from Ashford. I think they've taken him to get it for them. Well, what if he refuses? Alfie did not reply. He didn't want to think about the danger Ashford was in. 
20 minutes later, the phone rang three times. That's the signal. Come on. Alfie hooked his arm around his dad and helped him limp to the door. Amy's jaw actually dropped as she saw a polished black coach sitting in the courtyard. Alfie recognized it as the very one that had taken him and his dad to Munnan and Bones' office nearly a year ago when they had first learnt he was to inherit Hexbridge Castle. Six midnight black horses steamed in the moonlight as they stamped on the cobbles. Johan, the driver, nodded to them. The coach door clicked open. Two short, stocky, bearded men in leather overalls and stout boots jumped out and grabbed a heavy black bag from the back of the coach. They dragged it towards the oak and then circled the tree, tapping it and scratching their beards while making tooting noises. Leaving the two men to examine in the tree, Alvi climbed into the velvet darkness of the carriage, followed by his dad and Amy. He felt out of place in the elegant interior and wished he had changed out of his pajamas first. You are hurt. They jumped as a voice sounded from the shadows. The oil lamps in the carriage dramatically flared to life to reveal Caspian Bone sitting opposite them. Your injuries will be tended to at our offices. Caspian, cried Alfie, his chest hurting as he shouted out with relief to see the solicitor. Someone took Ashford. They dragged him into that portal thing in the oak tree. We've got to get him back. They shot him with an arrow, burst out Amy. They were really tall and strong. We couldn't help them. And I, I didn't know whether to call the police, said Alfie's dad. I mean, what, what, what would we say? What could we say? Caspian listened to their wild ranting in impassive silence, then wrapped the wall behind him with a black and silver cane. The coach began to move. Your police cannot be of help. I will deal with this matter alone. Over Caspian's clipped tones, Alfie could hear the horses clatter over the drawbridge, their hooves pounding the ground as they galloped down the hill. As they reached full speed, the coach tilted back as though the horses had leapt into the air and were galloping into the sky. He noticed Amy straining to see through the black glass windows. Are we full? began Amy. Not important interrupted Caspian. He twitched his head back to Alfie, who noticed Amy raise an eyebrow at being cut off so sharply. The talisman, is it safe? Alfie pulled it from his pajamas and showed the solicitor. Good. They still think it is at our offices. We have arranged for the oak to be bound with iron so that the elves cannot return through that portal while we negotiate Asher's return. What? Wait, elves? asked Alfie. Those people were elves. Are you serious? Do I ever joke? Alfie thought that would be too much to hope for. Amy's other eyebrow joined the first as Caspian casually confirmed the existence of a supposedly mythical race. What did they want from Ashford? she asked. I suppose it serves no purpose to keep the information from you now that you have found him again. 
Alfie was even more surprised that Caspian was about to give him some answers than he was about the revelation that elves exist. The lens and the talisman, continued the solicitor. They wanted it back. My talisman? asked Alfie, automatically reaching for the golden disc hanging from his neck. He ran his thumb over the spiraling ruins that encircled the purple lens fixed into its center. Alfie's talisman belonged to the elves? asked his dad. Not the talisman itself, the lens that sits within it. It is made from a rare gemstone, one of a kind. It can focus and control other powers and energies. The lens was designed to focus the powers of a crown the Queen of the Elves had been developing for centuries. She intended to use it to expand her realm, enslaving other tribes and races. An elf close to her warned us of their plans, and my partner, Mr. Munnan, enlisted Ashford, a talented thief who was duty-bound to us to take it from them. Ashford agreed when he heard that the druid Orn Hopcraft needed a lens such as this to create a talisman, the talisman that controls the magic he hid within you, Alfie. When Ashford returned, we sent the lens back to Orin. Much as I detest thieves, I will acknowledge that this theft saved many lives as well as protecting yours, but it appears that the elves never gave up hope of retrieving the lens. How they found Ashford, I do not know. Ashford stole it? For me? said Alfie, holding the talisman tightly in his fist. He didn't even know me. The only thing that had been making him feel a little better was the fact that the kidnapping wasn't related to his inheritance, and now Caspian was telling him that it was. He could hardly breathe. Believe me when I tell you that it was as much in his own interest as yours. Are you saying that you sent a wanted thief to work for us? asked Alfie's dad incredulously. Yes, said Caspian coldly. But a thief who has pledged his loyalty to your family, you may trust him completely. It wasn't like Caspian to praise Ashford. Alfie had always suspected there was some unspoken history or rivalry between the two. Why is the talisman so important to them? Enough to half kill him for. Emily Fortune will discuss the minutia with you when we arrive. I must attempt to open negotiations with the queen. We have sent a coach for her. Ashford has told her that we hold the talisman here. But if they break him, they will find a way to return to the castle and get it. Break him? Break him? They're going to torture him? Then you can't waste time talking to this queen. You have to find him and stop them. If they want the talisman, I'll give it to them. Just get him back. The oil lamps flickered, sending sending shadows dancing around the carriage as Caspian's expression darkened. 
Amy snapped her eyes away from the window, and they all shrank back a little in their seats as a solicitor seemed to tower over them without even moving. I do not have to do anything except observe proper customs and protocol. We do not charge into another people's land and jeopardize peace with brash demands. Do not presume that you have any say in this. Giving up the talisman would risk the lives of many for just one man. The light stopped flickering and the darkness fled as Caspian leaned back into his seat. Alfie's stomach was churning. Ashford could be getting tortured while they spoke, and there was nothing he could do about it. He glanced at Amy. For the whole journey, she had remained as cool as if she were in an ordinary car, but by the way that she was sitting so stiffly, he knew she didn't like the way Caspian spoke to them at all. Alfie was used to the solicitor's coldness by now, but Amy, never letting anyone getting away with anything to try to intimidate her, she looked Caspian up and down. Who do you think you are? she asked. Alfie exchanged a nervous glance with his dad. I beg your pardon? You heard me. You might not have an ounce of compassion, but our friend has been hurt and kidnapped, and all you can do is talk down your big nose and bully Alfie into shutting up. Caspian glared, and the light started to flicker again. Don't start that nonsense. Amy got to her feet and pointed at him. You're not half as intimidating as you think you are. You're Alfie's solicitor. It's your job to help him and answer his question. So, so, stop being so, so obtuse. The carriage was silent as Amy and Caspian seemed to be locked in some kind of staring competition. Alfie held his breath. Caspian broke the silence first. Obtuse? Yeah, it's a word. Look it up. I know what it means said Caspian. Alfie wasn't sure, but he thought he might have seen the slightest trace of a smile flicker across Caspian's lips. He spoke again in a very slightly softer tone. I'm afraid I am not one to offer false hope and reassurance. The most you can do is hope that there is something other than the talisman that she is willing to accept in exchange. Alfie and his dad stared at Amy in a mixture of amazement and admiration, unable to believe that she had faced down the haughty solicitor. At that moment, the couch, the coach bounced and shuddered. The horses dropped from a gallop to a canter before slowing to a stop. Alfie wondered if he would ever be allowed to travel up top with Johan to see the journey. He did not think it was likely. Everything about Mon and Bone's operations seemed extremely secretive. The doors popped open and Alfie leapt out into the huge coach house, glad to be away from the silence that had descended on the carriage. Johan jumped down to tend to the horses as Caspian swept ahead, leading them through the door to the entrance hall. 
Alfie could tell that Amy was dying to stop and investigate the array of coaches as they hurried after Caspian. Emily will join you shortly, said the solicitor as he strode across the grand reception to stand on the round base crest that served as a lift to the upper floors. The brass cylinder that formed the walls of the lift descended from the ceiling. I must prepare to meet the queen and begin our negotiation. The cylinder clanked down around him. There was a hiss of steam and a whooshing noise that lasted nearly a minute before the cylinder retracted back into the ceiling, leaving them all alone in the entrance hall.